the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, God is giving commandment to save you. Guess what? The law will never ultimately have its way with you because it had its way with Christ for you. You know, many will tell you that the book of Esther is a book that pretty much is void of God. And as we'll see today, as we have been seeing the past few weeks, not only is God permeating this marvelous book, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is just as rich. Welcome. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand, who returns us to the book of Esther. Today, we have another look at Esther chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, message called God Hath Highly Exalted Him. It is a look at the outcome of this marvelous love story and this gospel that is rich within the story itself, the revelation of Mordecai the prince, the righteous rule of Christ in the land, the joy of his presence and glory, and the conversion of sinners by the gospel. It's all straight ahead on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand. This is where the proverb comes into play. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Remember what came out of his mouth? Death to the Jews. And because he had authority as a king, and that's how you set that context, because everybody doesn't have authority to speak death in people's lives, so forget that nonsense, okay? You have to actually have authority. And that authority was in the civil context. In fact, it was Solomon who said that in the proverb, and Solomon was a king. He knew the power that a king had to send people to death and to save people alive. Is that right? So we want, to keep it, we want to keep it contextually correct. You and I don't have the power to just speak death into people's lives and speak life into people's lives. You are a God. And I'll tell you what, you don't want to occupy that space. You don't want to occupy that space. You better hurry up and give it to God. Let God do the killing and let God do the saving. And you be the one asking him to give you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So very important. So Haman laid hands on them. By getting the king to do what he wanted to do, which uh, again, just for the record, the crafting of the language in your text demonstrates that the king was not at all privy to who it was that Haman wanted to destroy. And thus Esther is never ever directly blaming it on the king. Is that right? Do you guys see that in your text? This is called prudence. This is why I told you when you are really taking honor seriously, honor is discreet. Honor is discerning. Honor is discriminating. Honor is respectful. Honor never flatters. Honor will be controversial, but it will never flatter. Honor will never ever flatter wickedness. 
What she never does is blame the king directly because he was hoodwinked by a friend. And when you're in arguments with somebody and debates and conflicts with somebody, please learn how to distinguish between direct offense on a part of someone or indirect offense. Because sometimes people will be in a way with you and not really know it. You got to distinguish between the people that are shooting arrows directly at you and the other folks that are stepping on you after the arrows are shot. Now, both of them hurt. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between the direct hit of animus and hostility and antipathy on the part of your enemy and your friend doing something stupid like Judas Iscariot did when he says, Lord, I won't ever let that happen. There's no way I'm going to let you go to the cross. There's no way I'm going to let you go to the cross. There's no way. And began to rebuke Christ. Well, he was working for the devil right then and there, wasn't he? And Christ spoke through him to the devil and says, Satan, get thee behind me. You don't savor the things of God, but the things of men. You understand the difference? Do you understand the difference? And that's what our text is teaching us. And so let's continue to work through our outline. We only have a few more points that I wanted to get. So she is asking for him to reverse the curse because she cannot bear the consequence. We already learned last week. She says, you know, honey, listen, if they were to just be slaves, I'm cool with that. But here's something I want you to know. While you and I are working through the narrative of the principle of intercession and petitioning on the part of Esther and Mordecai, time is elapsing. Because remember, the indictment was given about a year earlier that on the 12th month, on the 13th day of the 12th month, they should be destroyed. In our text now, we have it clear that we are about three, almost four months into that indictment. That means we've only got about seven or eight months to go before the judgment. In other words, everybody in Shushan and all the way through the lands are realizing that the Jews are going to be exterminated. Everybody's struggling. Esther is not happy simply because Haman is dead, because the decree has gone forth. We got to stop the decree. And that is gospel all in itself. Show you something here. Look again at point number three. A decree that overturns the decree. Now again, this needs to be really more fully developed. Then the king Azarias, verse 7, said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he had laid his hands on the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews as it pleases you. Now he ready to have her happy. In the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name, and seal with the king's ring, what? May no man reverse. I love it. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is, in the month Sivan, on the 3 and 20th day, almost the end of it. So four months have gone by. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and deputies and rulers of the provinces, which are from India unto Ethiopia, 127 provinces, uh, every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to the writing and according to the language thereof. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name and sealed it with the king's ring and sent letters by post on horseback riders of mules camels and young dromedaries planes and jets and email in Texas got to him in about 10 seconds I was laughing when I read that I said boy I'm so glad I live in the day of quick mail 
Now, how fast can a camel go? How fast can a donkey go? I got a decree of death on my head, and I live over in Ethiopia, and you way up on the border of Egypt, uh, India. How long is it going to take for that male to get to me? He got to eat. (laughs) He got to use the bathroom. He got to sleep. By the time that decree get to me, it's going to be a week before the judgment. Stay with me now. I'll show you something with this. Won't God allow you to go through it? And you're going, now when is this thing going to end? And he pushes right up against your last wit. And you're screaming in your soul and you're going, I'm tired, Lord. I'm tired. It's been too long. How come? How long? Can I tell you what he's doing? He's shaping your character. See, your thoughts are not God's thoughts. Your ways are not God's ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so his ways are higher than yours. And guess what? Because God is eternal in nature, omniscient and omnipotent, he has the ability to be patient for you when you're not patient for yourself. Is that right? I'm going to help you right here now. See, God's not worried about your lack of patience. Do you understand that? God's going to say, oh, my baby can't handle it. Let me, let, me get on, let me get on down there and fix that now. No, he operates on his patience time. He knows how long he needs to keep the silver in the furnace. All that smoke you smelling in your life. All that is God's love for you. All that is God's love for you. When he leaves you in the furnace... It's because he loves you. When he doesn't let you know what he's up to, it's because he loves you. One of these days, you're going to have to learn that God's silence in your life is his love for you. Did you get that? You're going to have to learn that God's silence and God's patience and God's sticking with the last principle is his love for you. Lord, why, 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 why? You know how our children go, why? How come? Why? And we go, shut up. Right? Don't we just shut up. Just, just. Right? Now, God doesn't do that in a sense he doesn't. But sometimes he might. He might. He might say, shut up. Just shut up. Because you can cry all you want to. You do know that you're never going to make God move earlier than God wants to move. Have you figured that out yet? Tribulation. Work at Patience. And patience works character. That's what experience is. And here's the thing that you learn as a child of God. You learn that what is more important to God is how you think than what you have or what you're going through. What's more important to God is how you think, how you respond to your trials, how you deal with your adversities, how you handle persecutions. How you handle struggles. More important to God is how the trial draws you near to him. And draws you into communion with him. So that you see his faithfulness in it. Versus you whining and screaming and acting like God doesn't care. Am I making some sense? One application and we'll move to my last point. Very important. So our brothers Daniel, Ahasuerus... Hananiah and Mishael, that is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
They got that. They were bumped up against the king's threat to cast them into the fiery furnace. They had done the king, Nebuchadnezzar, well all their days. They had given him revelation. They had defined and brought to clarity his purpose and his calling. They had interpreted the word and vision where the Babylonian astrologers and astronomers couldn't do it. They served the king well. He still want to throw them in for not worshiping the golden idol, right? And you know what they said? Now, king, we are not anxious at all about what you want to do. You know what that means? They trust God. They had their eyes clearly fixed on the Lord God. They saw God sitting on his throne, ruling over Nebuchadnezzar's throne. And they said, if our God wants to deliver us, he'll deliver us. If that's not almost perfect faith there, I don't know what is. In other words, I'm going to still eat my falafel burgers and drink my tea. And tomorrow when you want to throw me in the fiery furnace, I'm going to watch as I'm diving into the furnace whether or not God will rescue me. Because God can rescue you at the last second. Has he ever rescued you at the last second? God can rescue you while you're going into it. Okay, Lord, I got but about three more feet to go. Just about three more feet. Shoo, and he come through. Hallelujah. Right? Is that how he does it sometimes? He just snatches you right on up at the last second. He does that. Doesn't he do that? And you go, whoa, look at the Lord. Now, you know you wouldn't believe in God at all. This is why you know your hope can't be in your faith. Because you were just all together unbelieving, crying out unbelieving, and God delivered you anyway. And there is how we know that we must trust in God's faithfulness for us and not our faithfulness to him. But see, God had granted those men faith to stand on the gospel and the promises of God in the face of the king. And the king learned that God delivers even when they're thrown into the fire. Is that right? God delivers us even when we're thrown into the fire. He delivers us even when we're thrown into the fire. So our, our subpoints go like this. The law of the Medes and the Persians. This is what we know. We know that whenever a law of the Medes and Persians is written, that's chapter 1 verse 19, you can't reverse it. It's like the law of God. Once God's law is set forth, you're not overturning God's law. That's what Daniel chapter 6 said. This is what uh, Esther chapter 1 verse 19 says. The law of the Medes and Persians is fixed. So then what does the king do? How does he deal with a law that he affirmed and endorsed to destroy the Jews? He makes another law. It does not overthrow this law. It mitigates this law. Does that make sense? It does not overthrow this law. This law is going to go into action. But there is now a mitigating law that he inserts in order for the people of the Jews to be able to handle that first decree. I wish I had time. But you can read the book of Ezra as well as the book of Nehemiah. And here's what you know. The Persian kings were always favorable towards the people of God. Until the enemy of the people of God would speak evil and slander against them and stop the purpose for which the Persian kings were raised up, which was to bring the people of God back to their land, reestablish the temple and therefore the worship of the people of God in Jerusalem, which was written as a decree in Ezra chapter 1 by Cyrus the king. You know what Cyrus said? The people will live. 
They will thrive, they will come back, and they will build. Now watch this. And whosoever tries to stop them, let all the timber that we use to rebuild the temple come on their head. This is why God didn't have a problem with this decree going out. Because God knew that there was a former decree of life for the people of God that would mitigate this latter decree of death. Do you see the gospel, ladies and gentlemen? Can I help you with it? In this world, in this physical dimension, in time, we fell into sin in Adam, didn't we? In the garden, Genesis chapter 3 and following, and we have discovered in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely what? But did not God decree before the world began that his people would live? Did he not write a commandment in Jesus Christ that death would be abolished in Christ at the cross and the people that should die will live? I'm here to tell you that there's a decree that overturns the decree and it is God's eternal decree in Christ. The only reason that you and I will not die is because God said they shall live. David knew this because in Psalm chapter 71 verse 13, he says, you have given commandment that I should live. David knew that. David knew all the times that his enemies were seeking to destroy him. He looks up and he's still what? Alive. I think it's verse 3. You're looking at verse 13. I think it's verse 3. Uh, Psalm 71 verse 3. The commandment, listen, but thou, you are my strong habitation whereunto I may continually what? So, so what you look at there is what we call a refuge statement, a refuge statement. And that's what faith is, taking God as your refuge, as your hiding place, as your cupboard from the storm. Is that right? That's what faith is. Watch this now. Whereunto I continually what? I go there every time I'm in trouble. Watch it. You have given commandment to what? Faith. Hallelujah. Now, if God has given commandment to save you, guess what? The law will never ultimately have its way with you because it had its way with Christ for you. And this is why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, pull it up, verse 1, 2, and 3. And then I'm going to move to my final point for today. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Verse 2, here it is. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has what? Made me free from the law of sin and death. Isn't that what's going on in our narrative? They are really worried about dying, but God had decreed long ago that his people shall live. And Xerxes is setting that principle in order. The, the dignitaries of of Mordecai and Esther are really working on the behalf of their people, aren't they? That's what leadership is called to do. Leadership is called to pray and lay hold of God for the people of God. Parents are called to pray and lay hold of God for your children. See, every one of us that have children, we're in leadership position. And we're to go to God in the same way that Esther and Mordecai are going to God. Because some of our children are under a decree of death. And we want to know that God has given a decree of life for them. Father, have you chosen them in Christ? Did Christ die for them? 
Is there a mediator? Is there a go-between? Is there an intercessor? Might it be that a decree of life is given for my son or my daughter? And in other words, this is how we say it when we pray. You ready? Lord, save my baby. Save my baby. Save my children, Lord. Deliver my children. You delivered me. Deliver my children. You delivered me. Deliver my grandchildren. Lord, have mercy on them like you had mercy on me. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Anybody hear what I'm saying? That's called leadership. That's called leadership. Since you decided to have some fun and have some babies, now pray for them. In chapter 8, let's start at verse, um, verse 13, and then I want to land on verse 15 through 17, show you just a beautiful truth I'm going to pick up next week. The copy of the writing for the commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, that the Jews should be ready against that day to do what? Avenge themselves on their enemies. I'm going to talk about that next week, so don't be quick to interpret it. So the posts rode upon mules and camels and went out being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. Now, how fast you going to go? Oh, I'm just still tripping on the mules and camels. How fast you going to get the mail there? I can just see the tongue hanging out of the camel. They just flying. The air is going back, and they flying as fast as they can. Okay. All right. Just get it there before, before the 13th day of the 12th month, right? Just, if you get down to 12th day, we cold. Here it is. Here it is. So the post ran and the king's decree was set forth in Shushan, the decree which was given in Shushan, the palace. Now I want to show you something that's absolutely phenomenal. Verse 15 says that Mordecai went out from the presence of the king. Do you see it? In royal apparel of blue and of white and with a great crown of gold and with a garment of fine linen and purple and the city of Shushan was clad. Now this is the second time that Mordecai has been exalted. The first time he was exalted over his enemy Haman. This time he's exalted for the people of God. The first time he was walked through the city and the streets demonstrating his triumph over his adversaries, right? This time he's going out before the people of God so that the people of God see that he now holds the second highest rank in the kingdom. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Stay with me now. Now watch this. Which went forth first? The word or the revelation of the word? Which went forth first, the decree or the person of whom the decree or by whom the decree was written? Which went out first? The word went out first. The decree went out first. What kind of decree was it? It was a decree that you can defend yourself, that you can stand on your own ground. You can exercise your rights. You don't have to just let your enemy take you over. That's good news for people. But watch this now. This is even a greater revelation because the one who wrote the decree is now coming himself in all of his glory and splendor. Do you see it? Do you see it? So what did God do? God gave us the word first and then the word was made flesh and dwelt among us 
and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now watch this. We had a little bit of satisfaction in the Word, but when we saw the Word made flesh, it was all about joy and all about gladness and all about light and all about hope and all about glory. Why? Because we now know that God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow, every tongue confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, your joy and your confidence and your hope lies in the revelation of Jesus. The revelation of Mordecai. Do you see it? Do you see it? Their happiness is the man that is in charge over their life. I ask you the question, do you see God having highly exalted him? That's the title of our message today, right? God hath highly exalted him. Let me ask you the question. Has he exalted him in your heart? Do you see him as high and lifted up? Glorious, glorious, glorious is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m. Sunday schools at 10. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward. And the zip code is 94541. If you're trying to tom-tom us or uh, Google us for the map, you can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510-886-9782 or stop by our website, grace-bible.com. We do thank you for spending time with us today. Trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.